We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, a disappointing loss for the Nets tonight against the Lakers, 126-101. How are you feeling, Jack? Teddy had a dunk, Blake had a block, podcast over. <laughs> really, that was probably some of the only positive highlights tonight. Kyrie Irving ejected. Uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis did not play for the Lakers. Obviously, no James Harden for the Nets either. But before we get into it, as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, in your eyes... What was the biggest problem for the Nets tonight against this Lakers team that was extremely shorthanded? Look, Nick, at the point where Kyrie Irving was ejected, the Nets were only down by four points, and they seemed to have a little bit of momentum going their way, and, you know, Schroeder and Kai were just speaking. It was one of the softest ejections that I've seen in a very, very long time. Now, I have no idea what Kyrie Irving said. I have no idea what Dennis Schroeder said. But neither of those players, who were both playing really, really well, you know, they were hyped up in the in the pregame promos and in the promos all week. But they got ejected for some really whack and soft BS, let's put it that way. Uh, in, in, other, in other sort of points, Nick, I wanted to point out, Marcus Aldridge, his worst game is Brooklyn Met, um, yep. got absolutely bodied by uh, other Nets, by our candidate, Andre Drummond, uh, I thought he was uh, really, really poor. Kevin Durant, eight turnovers. Um, I thought that was a big sort of... He was sloppy despite the fact that his shot is still looking you know, decent. He was getting to the line a little bit, uh, and that dunk was, was incredible. So I think that those were probably the, the biggest things from me, Nick. Klax got caught a few times by Dennis Schroeder, and everyone on Lakers Twitter seemed to think that Nicholas Claxon is a bad defender, and Mark Jackson, who clearly doesn't watch Brooklyn Nets <laughs> games either. But ultimately, Nick... It was just a poor, poor, poor defensive showing, and you give the Lakers credit because they are an incredible defensive team, and they let that feed their offense uh, in terms of their you know, really uh, solid, solid shooting uh, as well. Yeah, and I thought they came out with great intensity, the Lakers. You know, to start this game, energy and effort, you know, playing with physicality and aggression, I think that helped them get a couple more calls in this game. I know Nets fans are upset with the officiating for obvious reason, but the Lakers just came out and they played with that extra energy, and the Nets just didn't really wake up for this game. And by the time they did, it was the second quarter. And then, like you said, Jack, you know, by the time third quarter comes around, maybe the Nets are going to make a run. Kyrie gets ejected. So does Dennis Schroeder. And, like, to be honest, that's just laughable. Like, that happens – 
typically in multiple basketball games a season, you know, multiple games a week. I mean, if you play pickup, you might argue with one of your friends. I mean, I've done it myself multiple times. It's just something that kind of happens when you're playing competitive sports. And the only way I could see the ejections being reasonable if the guys just said some outlandish things. But I think they said on the broadcast that was uh, the first career ejection for both guys. And that's saying something, you know, I think Dennis Schroeder can be a little bit feisty, um, uh, much more so than Kyrie Irving, who has you know, a pretty pure basketball soul and energy whenever he is out on the court. So to antagonize in a way to get that reaction out of him, I'm, I'm wondering what was said. And, and maybe I think we'll he also out. didn't like the clapping in his face. I don't know, after like the call, like I think that was just something that picked, pissed off Kyrie. And I think maybe Kyrie being upset that he hasn't really gotten many calls all season long, including this game. He shot four free throws. But, you know, like you said, Jack, you don't really see Kyrie get that upset on the court. It just doesn't happen because, you know, there are personalities out there that, you know, like to talk a little bit. We heard KD talk to Draymond Green this week. He's clearly a, a big talker out there on the court. So if you're seeing KD have a bit of chat, you know, he's sort of feeling it himself, whereas it's not in Kyrie's nature. You know, he'll provide some light ribbing like we did against the, the, the Los Angeles Lakers in our previous matchup where he called out LeBron for his free throw shooting. You know, that was probably worthy of an ejection by, to, you know, today's game standards because it was... <laughs> It was, it was pretty goddamn laughable, Nick, to, to be honest. But again, it's not the big takeaway, but it certainly didn't help either team. Uh, and it, it allowed, you know, the, the Lakers, you know, to play a bit of Ben McElmore. And, and he was quite nice. I talked about on um, Pacific Post-Ups with, uh, you know, my fellow Aussie brethren about, you know, his addition uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers could be quite a nice one. You know, their buyout guys played better than our buyout guys at the end of the day as well, Nick. Yeah, they really did. You know, you mentioned Malcolmore. He really had an extraordinary game. I don't think he'll probably have a game this good the rest of the season. And Andre Drummond, you know, he got the best of LaMarcus Aldridge, who had his worst game as a net. You know, I thought LaMarcus was pretty rough out there. And that was really the start to all the problems defensively. Like the Lakers just went straight at him in the pick and roll. They went at him in the post with Drummond and ISO situations. And Drummond's not a great player. He doesn't score with great efficiency. But LaMarcus Aldridge kind of allowed him to do that tonight and allowed the Lakers to have a lot of success. And we mentioned Dennis Schroeder getting ejected in this game. But one of the big reasons, you know, the Lakers got off to the hot start was Schroeder and him attacking LaMarcus Aldridge in that pick and roll. And he, he attacked um, Nicholas Clash on the switch too. Yeah. I think Dennis Schroeder is one of the quickest guards in the NBA. you know, And I think that that is going to affect anyone, let alone a, a guy of Nicholas Claxton's caliber. There are a couple of times where I did think he was better defensively. And I thought he's, you know, the fact that he was hitting his free throws, clearly listening to the Brooklyn Buzz <laughs> and uh, the Clax City president, uh, yours truly. So that, that was nice to see from Claxton. I, I thought that he had some decent moments. But yeah, in, in all honesty, Nick, it was just one of those games where the Nets weren't locked in. It seems to always happen sometimes on the weekend for the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. Hopefully this is similar to what the Detroit Pistons game was. A bit of a, a refocusing, a re-engagement on both ends of the floor and go, all right, let's get this shit done now. You know, we don't lose... You know, two games in a row. We don't. We, we want to go on a good run. You know, and by the time that James Harden's coming back, we're in some good form, and we just slot him in nicely. Jack, do you think situations like this, where we saw Lamarcus Aldridge versus Andre Drummond, and just a good Lakers team, could be something that could be a problem in the future? Where like, hey, Lamarcus has kind of played well for the Nets, but it's been against a lot of bad teams, and maybe some of those better teams are going to attack him a little bit more in those situations because he's obviously the weak link defensively and a team that doesn't necessarily play elite defense. Yeah, I got a mailbag question on JVT Nick about you know DeAndre Jordan's possible role for the rest of the season going forward and. 
tonight would have been, you know, a, a decent time for Steve Nash to throw him out there. You know, again, not in the garbage time when the Nets are down by 20, but when LaMarcus Aldridge is getting absolutely cooked and you have another center on the roster who I think matches up well with Drummond in just terms of pure physicality uh, and, and just the, the the general matchup in general, you know. Uh, I, I thought that DJ deserves some minutes tonight. Uh, again, not necessarily sure it changes the trajectory of the outcome and the results in general, but, you know, DeAndre Jordan, I think, has a role going forward with this team, whether it's just as a bench guy and a leadership role. But I do think that, you know, these are the times where you throw him out there, especially when LaMarcus Aldridge isn't playing well. I thought Blake Griffin played better at the five. Yeah. Nicholas Claxton played better at the five. LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, is going to cook against the opposing teams where there's not necessarily the, the talent there. And that's not to say that Andre Drummond is a world beater. He certainly isn't. There's a reason he's a buyout dude. And there's a reason why LMA is a buyout dude as well, Nick. So I think that both of these guys on the same trajectory, I think Andre Drummond had something to prove. Uh, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge really stepped up and, and when it really mattered tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, just the foot speed was really exposed in this one because you saw Drummond take him off the dribble a couple times. And Drummond is, you know, relatively athletic, but still not an elite player by any standard. So definitely something to keep an eye on. It's like you'd rather definitely see maybe more Blake Griffin at the five, Nick Claxton at the five, go small with Jeff Green, test some different things out. Like you said, you know, DeAndre Jordan, maybe give him an opportunity. I think the one play that really sticks out is where LaMarcus Aldridge uh, where Andre Drummond just put his shoulder in Aldridge's chest and moved him and got the and one layup. Like, that's just something that can't happen. If you're going to be a, a big, slow player on the floor, you can't get pushed around. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that you have to do at a high level, and he just didn't bring that intensity. It is only one game, but it's definitely something I would keep in the back of my mind if I'm Steve Nash, and maybe LaMarcus gets more towards those Golden State Center numbers in which we talked about when he first signed, where maybe he plays the first quarter minutes, third quarter minutes. We don't really see him much after that. Yeah, look, the Nets have the options, Nick. So yep. Steve Nash needs to start utilizing those options, you know, whether it's in, uh, especially in the front court and, and at the center position now. You know, the the deadline is over in terms of the finalizing the roster. We'll, we'll see probably post-game whether Alizé Johnson is lucky enough to, to stick around going forward. I'm not necessarily confident about that, the fact that he didn't get minutes tonight other than in garbage time. But yeah, in LMA, like you said, Nick, he's a big dude. And if his bigness isn't having an effect on the game, then what good is he? Because we saw such a, a, a surprising impact against the New Orleans Pelicans and such a tremendous downward trajectory the, the game after. It was almost shocking. It was like two different players. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the Lakers are a substantially better team than the Pelicans even missing their stars, especially, you know, in the defensive end. But still, like you said, Jack, also a couple plays in this game. I think there was a play where he took a mid-range jumper instead of passing the ball to an open Joe Harris in the corner. Not like super upsetting, but typically like I'd rather see Joe Harris shoot an open three than Aldridge shoot an elbow jumper, like just from an efficiency standpoint. And we don't talk about analytics a ton on this podcast, but analytically speaking, like that's a substantially better shot with Joe Harris. And I mean, he's he, in the early, you know, uh, the couple of games before, you know, he was doing that. You know, he was. He, he you know, overpassed a couple other times. Sorry to cut you off, Jack. I just want to get this point in. He was under the rim and he threw the ball out. But in a situation where he has an elbow jumper, he takes that. But when he's under the rim, he throws it out to the three point line where he could probably just dunk the basketball. 
yeah, it was it was just a weird and off game for LMA, and hopefully he balances back because we're going to need him to. Um, he's going to be at least have, have somewhat importance in terms of uh, the Brooklyn net success going forward because, you know, Clax can't do it all, Blake can't do it all, and DJ's not even in the rotation anymore. So Steve Nash is going to have... He's got some issues now, and they're not necessarily the most pressing issues. You know, your most pressing issues are getting James Harden healthy. Hopefully KD isn't pulling up sore. I know a lot of people were sort of looking at the body language and looking at him any single time that he grabbed his leg or anywhere near that sort of area. I'm sure he'll be fine. Good to see his mum in the building again. It's always a, a really nice feeling seeing Mama Duran out there and him getting to have a, a nice home-cooked meal from, from Wanda. But yeah, in all honesty, Nick, it was just a poor game overall and, and LaMarcus Aldridge was probably one of the, the big points that did stick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk KD a little bit. Like you said, Jack, still coming back, looked rusty in this one, but did have 22 points, 8 of 17 from the field, 1 of 4 from the three-point line, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and those eight turnovers, like you mentioned, I think a couple of them were definitely super sloppy and a couple of them were probably more so, hey, this is a guy that I haven't necessarily logged a ton of minutes with. This pass is slightly off. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think Katie almost got lucky a little bit with some of his passes in the first game. The, yep. the, the, way the Pelicans he, defense sucks. Like, let's yeah, be honest. <laughs> yeah, he was being forced to make, he had easier options to to pass to. And, yep. you know, there were secondary assists that were open for him. And like you mentioned, the Lakers are the, one of the best, if not to me, the best defensive team in the league, even without two of their best defensive players. They just have an incredible system, are incredibly well coached, and that is going to win you a lot of games, especially in the regular season. And that's a massive shout-out to, to Frank Vogel in terms of what he's been able to do there. So I just think that KD was sloppy. It's fine. He's going to be sloppy going forward. He still is Kevin Durant, and ultimately, when we get James Harden and Kyrie Irving back, it allows the it, it eases the burden for Kevin Durant to, to continue to make plays for not only himself but others. Because you know Landry Shamit, Chris Chioza, as much as we we love those dudes, and it was good to see Landry back and and, and playing pretty pretty well. Um, you don't necessarily want them handling the ball uh, in important moments especially against a team like the Lakers. And just to give the Lakers another shout-out, I think the way they rotate is so great. They do it at such a high level, but they're also fully engaged when they rotate, have their hands always up, creating deflections when you think the pass is there and it's really not. And occasionally they'll jump the passing lane, just some really smart defenders on that team. Like you said, Frank Vogel does a great job. And I think it was a nice wake-up call for the Nets because against some of these bad defensive teams, you're just not going to see that, and you're going to casually kind of score 
you know, 130 points or shoot at great efficiency. And the Lakers, on the other hand, are going to make you earn it a little bit. And obviously the Nets defense needed to be a lot better in this game. We talked about LaMarcus Aldridge, but I think all around there were just a lot of guys who weren't fully engaged. We saw rotations being missed. And honestly, like even just the contests, like, you know, Malcolm Moore on a lot of those three pointers, like there wasn't really a hand in his face or it wasn't even a, a heavy contest. It was kind of just one of those like, hey, I'm running out here. So it looks like I did my job. Yeah, ultimately, it was just too little, too late in in a lot of moments for this Brooklyn Nets team, and basically, um, all of the it was just a symptom of of the the reason why the Nets were so poor. They made the wrong rotation. They took too long to to hit the right shot, to make the right pass. Um, just all these different things that it was just ultimately the Brooklyn Nets weren't good enough. Simple as that. Yeah. They, do you think anybody played well tonight? Is there somebody that you would say? Uh, I mean, Kyrie played well until he was ejected, so that's one guy. He was great. He was really, really good. I thought Clax was okay. You know, I, I think that his rebounding was good, despite the fact that the only thing that stood out defensively in terms of the poor defensive showing were those possessions of Dennis Schroeder. I thought otherwise he was better, but it was by his lofty standards, I guess, an average defensive game for, for him, a decent defensive game for a normal player. Yeah, I thought this was probably one of his lesser defensive games, like you said, Jack. Obviously, the shorter play sticks out. There was a couple of rotations where he was a little bit off. But I think on shorter, he was just a little overzealous. You know what I mean? He was a little bit too confident in himself with shorter being such a quick player where I think Clax needed to take probably one more step on his drop because he usually can read a player at that certain point at the elbow or slightly under it, where Schroeder's just a faster player. And I think Clax needs to trust his length a little bit more in that situation and keep everything in front of him, where he's so good at meeting Metherin and beating them with that last step, where he's just not going to beat Dennis Schroeder because he's just an elite offensive player in terms of speed. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day. And look, I think sometimes it can't all be... You know, rainbows and sunshine for, for the Brooklyn Nets and for Nicholas Claxton. He's had a, a, a lot of good press. He's had all the love in the world. Everything has been coming up daisies for him. But sometimes you need to be, be knocked down a peg to go, yeah. okay, I've got to reset here. Yeah, I've got a Damian Lillard, you know, Luka Doncic, CJ McCollum, all these sort of dudes. But you know, Dennis Rumi cooked me a few times. I did really like that block. I thought that individual defensive play that you posted on, on your Twitter at OTG underscore Nick was incredible because he did everything. It was like yep. what we saw from him in, in previous games where you know he he forced the ball out of a, a player's hands, then recovers, then makes the, the really good block on Montrezl Harrell. That was one of the other highlights of the game, Nick, even though Nicholas Claxton did have an average game. Yeah, no, I agree, Jack. I think you're starting to see some of the basketball IQ improve, especially defensively off ball. Like you said, making the reaction on that play there. Um, talking about anybody else, you know, I thought this was a little bit of a rough game for Joe Harris. Not something we typically see. Yeah, look, Joe was wasn't great tonight, I, and I think that part of that is the fact that the the Los Angeles Lakers did a, a really really good job of not letting them cook him because I think in the last game uh, he certainly did, and you know only two of eight from the field didn't hit a three ball was minus twelve six points four boards three assists did have a steal. I thought uh, again whenever people sort of argue about Joe Harris's impact and when he's not hitting the three ball. I think that they are incredibly narrow-minded and just don't know what Joe Harris does. I kept seeing people saying Joe Harris was poor defensive. If Joe Harris isn't hitting the three ball, what good is he? He's not good defensively. I could say that he's, he was better than a, a heap of other players defensively tonight. You know, he's still fighting. He's still rebounding and he's still doing the, those sort of little things. 
Probably one of his worst games of the season. But again, it was emblematic of the Brooklyn Nets team as a whole. I think that, you know, if he had more, if Kyrie Irving had continued to play, he would have had some open looks. He did hit a mid-range jumper, which I thought looked nice. I, I just thought that the Lakers did a really good job of making his night difficult. And that was probably the greater thing more than Joe being being really, really poor because, you know, overall he's had an, an absolutely fantastic season. I think the, the synergy stat was what, like 91% E field goal percentage on open yeah. threes. I don't think he had any open threes tonight, Nick. Yeah, I think he might have had maybe one and he missed it. But credit to the Lakers for kind of making him uncomfortable. You know what I mean? They really got into him early on. There's actually one play where Joe pulled up from three and he wanted a foul call. And that's not something you typically see from him. So definitely a little extra level of physicality. And like you said, I think the whole team was bad defensively. He wasn't great himself. So it's just kind of when when the whole team is playing bad defense, it's really hard for any individual to stick out unless you're extremely gifted on that side of the basketball, you know, like a la Nick Claxton or somebody like that. But even, you know, Bruce Brown, I thought had a kind of a rough game tonight. There were just wasn't many players who played well for the Nets. It just was a, re- a truly just out of sync performance where the energy and the engagement just wasn't very high really from almost anybody on the team other than Kyrie. Yeah, the offense wasn't there. And then, you know, Kyrie Irving's absence um, and his ejection sort of sapped the energy as well. There seemed to be moments where it's just like, oh, you, you think that the Nets could get it down to, to 10 and then, you know, a couple of turnovers from Chioza or whoever else it was and a couple of uh, bad four shots, you know, allow some you know, transition or open threes for the Lakers and they extend it back out to, to 16, 18 or 20. So, yeah, Bruce Brown wasn't great tonight. I don't think, Nick, I think he just gave away too many fouls. And um, I, yep. I think that despite the fact that he rebounded the ball well, um, I thought that he, he had a nice block on Andre Drummond in the post. Um, I just think that he was a bit overzealous and trying to probably bring in energy for the team that they lacked, but uh, wasn't necessarily doing it in the most uh, effective sort of way. Really quiet game for Jeff Green as well. You know, just really didn't feel him a ton out there. Obviously, some of that's the Lakers being a good team, but also I just think they're just the Nets weren't really generating a ton of open shots tonight. The offense didn't necessarily feel like in sync, a lot of off ball movement, everything, and things got very stagnant. And it's just like they didn't have that extra gear to kind of turn things up. And we also saw 19 turnovers tonight. The Nets have done a pretty good job taking care of the ball over the last two months. Uh, and a lot of that, again, like I've, I've alluded to on this pod and others, has been Kyrie Irving sort of helming the way as the, the point guard. He has a, a greater care for the ball and just a, a greater and a, a more effective style where, you know, the Nets are able to get some shots off. Whereas, like I alluded to, Kevin Durant's eight turnovers. You, you limit that to, you know, three or four and it makes things a lot easier. You know, you give, you're gifting possessions to a team that uh, wants that energy, wants to get out in transition, wants to sort of get some energy buckets because they're lacking a little bit of talent here and there so yeah look it's um it's just one of those nights i think i did want to ask you a question because i think the timeline and a lot of people in general were a bit perplexed about the fact that kevin durant was playing extended minutes when maybe the game was already over steve nash did allude to in, in post game presses that he was saying he wanted to get some conditioning and get some reps into kevin durant what were your thoughts i guess on kevin durant playing 24 minutes when he probably could have played 18 to 20 yeah i definitely think it was the right move I mean, if you want to get his minutes up, how are you going to do that other than actually playing him in NBA games? You know what I mean? Like, you can, he can practice and condition all of that stuff, but he needs the reps on the floor and he needs rep with these guys. And it's not like he played 35 minutes. He played 24 minutes. And what did he play against New Orleans? About 19. So we're talking about ticking it up about five. I think that's the right approach. And hopefully against the Timberwolves, he plays something maybe around 28 or 30. 
yeah, and hopefully Kyrie Irving's back and we just get a, a bit more synergy and flow. And, you know, I we hope know Kyrie's how Kyrie, super angry. <laughs> yeah, we know how Kyrie Irving likes to play against the, the Brooklyn, uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, to be honest, I, I, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll push back against you know, Kyrie Irving playing angry because I think Kyrie Irving plays better when he plays with an element of, of pureness and, and joy in his game. And maybe if there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, I, I, I just think that you know, angry Kyrie isn't necessarily... Look, if he's untucking his shirt and the headband's on or something and the fro's looking nice and he's got a bit of chippiness and he gets him some steals or whatever, yeah, play a bit angry. But I just hope that Kyrie Irving is back and, you know, he plays as well as he did in the first, you know, half tonight because he was he was really, really good and he, he was it looked like he was going to lift us to, to a comeback win. Nick, I got this via Chris Paul Holland. I did allude to our discussion earlier about DeAndre Jordan, and he said this. Uh, this is what Steve Nash said. We have four or five centers, but we can't play everyone. I wish I can give everyone all the minutes they desire. Is that a cop-out answer from uh, Mr. Steve, Canadian Nash man? I think it's more so of, like, what he's already decided. Like, he's pretty much decided DeAndre's not going to be in the rotation, it sounds like. You know what I mean? It just feels like, hey, this is what I have. We have a lot of players in this team. I wish I could play everybody, but it's not, not going to be the case. And I think maybe Steve Nash's mindset is still trying to figure out out of these four or five bigs that he does play, who is going to fit in this rotation, which matchups work the best, which combinations work the best, and who can I kind of rely on in these different situations. And I think we learned something tonight like about LaMarcus Aldridge in probably a negative way, but I'm not going to use a one-game sample size, but still this kind of reflects more of what we saw from him in San Antonio. Well, yeah, if the Nets happen to verse the Los Angeles Lakers in the finals, there's going to be a better center on the roster that LaMarcus Aldridge will have to go up against. One of the best centers, modern centers in, in the league in Anthony Davis. And I'm going to be even less confident of LaMarcus Aldridge going up against him. And it's not to say that, you know, DeAndre Jordan is the answer. But in all honesty, you know, I, I think I, I, I get what he's saying. And I just think that DeAndre Jordan could have been thrown out there. And, and I've sort of heralded Steve Nash, and I did again on this week's JBT his ability to be a bit flexible and malleable and just trying different things. Rob Mahoney did the same thing in his Ringer article uh, that was out this week. Uh, I just do some stuff. You know, you're, you're down by 18, you're down by 10, you're down by 20. And LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he's hit 5 of 8 from the field, but he's minus 15 on the night. The only player that was worse than him, uh, the only two players that were worse than him were Landry Shaman and Bruce Brown. And, those, and both of those guys got extended minutes as well. So I just think that I, I get maybe he's trying to cover his own his own butt there a little bit. Maybe he's alluded to the fact that DJ just isn't in the rotation. But he did also say, you know, in previous games and, and even whether it was before or after then, he's like, you know, we want DJ still. He's going to play a role or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know whether he's communicating this with DeAndre. I hope he is. I think that he probably is more so than we know. I, I just think that, Again, maybe I am too much of an optimist about some of the guys on our roster, whether it's you know, TLC or DeAndre Jordan or whoever it is. I just think that you know you've got to keep trying things, and you know the regular season is for that. Uh, he has done that a lot this season, more than any other coach. Uh, some of it has been forced from him because of the injuries um, and 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 such. But I don't know. I think DJ deserves a shot, Nick. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to consider there. Obviously, LaMarcus wasn't great. I think, to be honest, if DeAndre was in there, it would have been a, a similar things, but maybe he could have brought at least more physicality. I think overall, the rotations were interesting tonight in probably more so a negative way. You know, TLC played nine minutes, and we've seen him play bigger minutes in the past, 16 minutes for Chris Gioza, 15 minutes for Nick Claxton. You know, it's just like kind of everything was all over the place, and there never really felt like there was a rhythm for anybody on the floor because it's like the minutes were split almost half the game. You know what I mean? It's like almost... Too, too many minutes allocated across the board instead of kind of leaving guys out there to find their rhythm. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the plus minus, which we we tend to do a bit more than other podcasts because we we you know analyze it game by game basis. Kyrie Irving minus three, you know, and and I think that if he had to stayed out there, the inflated numbers for you know Bruce Brown and Landry Shaman and, and all these other dudes probably doesn't necessarily get blown out to the extent that it does. So yeah, it was just uh, one of those nights, Nick. Probably we don't look too much into it. I think we take away some things, like we alluded to at the start of the pod. Hopefully Steve Nash is ready um, and hopefully Steve Nash is um, taking those similar things, if not a little bit more. He's a smarter man than both you and I are. And, you know, Kevin Durant is a, a little bit, you know, more more careful with the ball. And he said himself in the post-game presser as well that, you know, he's got to be better with that. We know KD, Kyrie, James Harden, all of these guys will take responsibility for their their poor showings in, in whatever actions uh, that it is. Ky- Kyrie did it in the in the game where he threw the turnover. Um, you know, James Harden has done it with his turnover when he's elevated turnovers, and KD does the same thing. So these guys have a, a higher basketball IQ than than you and I, Nick. You know, we sort of we do this from a fan perspective, and we want certain things, but ultimately, you know, they hopefully have a bigger picture in mind that we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really concerned about Kevin Durant having eight turnovers in his second game back after missing a quarter of the season. You know what I mean? I think it's kind of something almost you anticipate. And you kind of alluded to this too as well, Jack. Like, you can only take so much from a game where the Lakers shoot 19 to 34 from three and the Nets shoot five to 27 from three. I mean, that's one of the biggest statistical outliers. Like we mentioned, the Lakers played better defense and that's going to generate as many open looks. But We've seen the Lakers literally shoot, you know, 20% in the finals on good wide open looks where guys are leaving them open. So I don't think this is something where you're like, oh, my God, you know, this is the end of the world. A lot of guys shot very, very well for the Lakers tonight, and they're probably not going to do that in an entire, you know, seven game series if that's where the Nets do see them again. No, and the Brooklyn Nets aren't going to shoot that poorly either. You know, so it's sometimes, as they say, it's a make or miss league. The yeah. Marcus had a, had a quote um, as well to Matt Brooks and, and other Nets media, Nick. He said, I started out kind of passive tonight, and I think that was contagious for everyone else. I think it's a good point. Again, self-awareness um, is, a, is a really good thing. You know, these guys are, are incredibly intelligent uh, basketballers and, and, and men in general. So to hear that, hopefully we don't see that level of, of pass, passiveness from him uh, in his remaining games as a Brooklyn Net because when he is engaged and he's aggressive and he's locked in, we see him get blocked on freaking Zion Williamson. Yeah. And I think that as an entire thing for the Nets team, you know, come out and set the tone and run the pace where they kind of just allowed the Lakers to do what they wanted in this one. And I think hopefully we see a response against the Timberwolves. But anything else you want to touch on, Jack, before we get out of here? Look, Nick, it's just one of those games. It sucks that it had to be against the Lakers. And I'm sure Nick Wright and <laughs> Shannon Sharp are going to be, and Stephen A. Smith are going to be getting up in their fields and enjoying this and smoking the Nets pack, as they like to say. But ultimately, you know, sometimes you need a loss. I think sometimes a loss can be as informative and as valuable as a win, especially, well, not even, not in the postseason, but especially in the regular season because it allows you to see the weaknesses and it allows you to shine a light on them much more so than, you know, a win can gloss over some of the, the negative things that are happening in and outside the lineup. Yeah, and it's almost a blessing to play a team that plays great defense because they play with a different intensity than you're going to see on a regular basis. You know, the Nets might see this against Philadelphia or Milwaukee the rest of the season, but not many other teams are going to put pressure on the Nets to play like this. And like you said, Jack, also, it's just kind of one of those games where things didn't go their way. But as always, a pleasure, Jack, and big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out on all streaming platforms.